0: as the function of right now. I want you to come into a place of perceptibility to begin to perceive what the new thing is. What the new thing the Lord is doing. What is it? And what what is the new thing? And then he says, I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Uh, Some weeks ago, uh, here in our worship set the Holy Spirit took us to Amos chapter 9 of which many of us are familiar with Amos 9 in, in the sense of the raising up of the tabernacle of David in the end times later on it will be quoted by the by the apostle in Acts that in that day speaking of the end time events God will raise up uh, the booth of David or the fallen booth of which Amos 9 uh, is referential uh, to, but presumptive to Amos 9:11, and as as the Holy Spirit swept has swept through these events that we have had, and Amos 9, 9 well, it really when we start back at Amos 9:1, I saw the Sovereign Lord or the Sovereign One, Amos is caught up into the heavens, um, much like. Uh, John will be caught up into the heavens, and uh, and Jeff brought this for in Revelation four, that the activity of the throne of God is proceeding forth as it is right now. Uh, whether there's a worship set happening, the worship in the heavens is happening right now before the throne, and that's uh, that was part and parcel of what Jeff brought forth. and he, and the prophet says just like John, I saw the Sovereign One standing by the altar. And he said, "Strike the tops of the support pillars and cause the thresholds to shake." And I believe it's emblematic and, uh, of a shaking that is coming on the uh, uh, the end time church. Now, this references back to um, I believe Elizabeth brought a word like this, Gus did out of which will later on be in Hebrews chapter twelve. That, that we set our eyes on Jesus. Yes, however, that which can be shaken Will be shaken And the Lord, the Sovereign One In the, uh, in the appearing of, of looking and beholding The One who is seated, seated at the throne This end time company that is um, beholding, beholding the One Becoming like Him Who are ascending to the Sapphire Throne it's, it's in that ascent that many of us have been on that journey that we've been on of ascend, being to that place of, of holiness and righteousness and truth and the things of the Lord. It, it's in that place that the Lord begins to move. And it's when an end time company begins to ascend in that place just like Amos did and like John did. When beholding the Sovereign One, the Lord begins to move. Through a company, I believe, of people on the earth, to bring forth and uh, transact his business on the earth. So he says, "I saw the sovereign one." John's going to see him in Revelation four. Now, shake what can be shaken, because if it can be shaken, it needs to be shook. So, shake the top of the support pillars, and so a shaking is coming on the earth, like probably like. Never before, but this shaking will begin in the house of the Lord. Now, and we've heard that, and many of us have said it. You know, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. But I, I and that is true. It, it is true that God is the Lord is moving to shake. But I, something has been fascinating to me. The Lord begins to shake uh, Sodom in his day when he takes a man like Abraham and Sarah. This is before he's called Abraham, but Abraham and Sarah, and he takes a family, and he takes that covenantal family, and he carves out a relationship with them, pulls them out of Ur in the Chaldees, uh, brings them out of which was modern day or our modern day Babylon or a Babylon Babylonian system, pulls them out of Babylon, sets a family in place, and begins to take. That family and utilize their um, relationship with him to begin to shape the environment and the culture that was around him in his day. And this is this is the very nature of when the Lord begins to intrude into a people, and uh, He begins to move on a people like He's and I believe He's moved on this corporately in this house. And I'm sure he's moved on other houses, but I'm not, we're not responsible for what the Lord's doing at other houses. We're responsible for our uh, setting here. It begins to move covenantally within families, in the marriages, and moving in the relationships, and to put covenant in place and restore the family. But it's out of that. It's out of that holiness and that righteousness in the family unit, a restored people. That the Lord actually utilizes that as like a place of transaction to transmit His business in the earth to deal with these uh, Babylonian, Saddamic, Egyptian, whatever systems. It's through the family of the Lord. And so when we're given over to the Lord, it's like a permission that the Lord has to exercise His authority through human beings, through human agency in the earth, to begin to deal with sin. And iniquity, and the Lord is moving to do this. That's why many of us have been gathered together and, uh, in holiness, and that's why the fear of the Lord has come uh, to you, and, and that's why nothing else works, but you know, with us, but to completely be given over to Him, and it is not going to work any other way. And that's why there's been long seasons of of, of wilderness and trial. To bring us to a place where we are lock, stock, and barrel. The Lord's. And now he's moving. You know, he's moving. A scroll. We we saw that scroll go out of this house months ago. The scroll moving for the earth out of Zechariah. Moving to deal with where there's deception and lying and thievery. And to expose every corrupt system. Whether it's in the church or outside the church, the Lord is moving for this. I'm going to shake the support pillars. Anything that is not covenantally, and I, I think you know we had a service here where everyone come walked under the Shepherd Drive, and because uh, this, this thing is serious, this is really serious before the before the Lord and what is happening uh, right now for for all of us. I tell you the truth that you want your conscience before the Lord to be clean. You will you want holiness. Now I don't mean like I don't mean legalism. I mean holiness. Like where you're purified or your heart is liberated in purity in the Lord. Then it is the most joyful thing that you'll ever experience. The purity of God's holiness is joy, is filled with joy and rejoicing. It's not morbid self introspection. God Himself living his divine life through you, and this is what he's after. So okay, so knock down the heads of all the people. And this can this can shake uh, people, especially when in a situation like this when leadership uh, gets uh, hit, because you know there's there's one head, the man Jesus Christ. There, there's one authority that we are to come under. And that is the Lord Himself. And He is our Lord. And we give a full allegiance and trust Him. That any leadership that you know of that isn't fully, like right now, like completely given over Him is foolishness. Not to be completely the Lord's. Because He is the head of the body of Christ. He is the head of the church. And so He said, knock, knock Him down. I'll kill the uh, survivors with a sword. No one's going to be able to run away. No one's going to escape uh, the day of the Lord. No one. And he said, even if someone could dig down into the netherworld, and, you know, and I brought this out, and I'm not going to go over every detail of this. It was really important because the Lord's like, I want to highlight this, but I want to take this somewhere. He's telling me, take it. Uh, verse 5, the sovereign Lord who commands the armies, the Lord of Sabbath, as, as you know in the Hebrew, the one who commands the armies, he will do this. And he touches the earth and it dissolves. All who live on it will mourn. The whole earth will rise like the Nile and grow calm like the Nile in Egypt. Verse 9, and this this came out here, or verse 8. Look, the sovereign Lord is watching a sinful nation, and I will destroy it from the face of the earth, but I will not completely destroy the family of Jacob, says the Lord. Now, and I know that you probably are familiar with geopolitical things that are going on right now, especially with Israel. And, and, and how things are going on over there. I do not know because I have not watched the news unless someone has told me something about it I do not know much of what is happening over there myself because the Lord said, I want you to keep your, uh, keep your eyes off of this because I want to give a clear prophetic, I want to give a clear word through you and I don't want you to be colored by the news. And so these words came to me apart from that whole situation. The word says, look, I'm giving that command. I'm shaking the family of Israel. Together with all the nations. I, it will resemble a sieve being shaken. When not even a pebble falls to the ground. And so the Lord is beginning to move to shake. To deal with sin. And. And, that, uh, and to deal with this in this way. Why? For the restoration of the fallen booth. The day of 9-11. Now. So last week we're we're up here and the, before the worship even starts out, excuse me, two weeks ago before the worship even starts out, Holy Spirit tells me to go to Revelation, shows me to go to Revelation chapter fifteen verse five, and I want us to go there and, and highlight this because I believe this this is a clear this is a clear now we're, and I've, I've looked at this over and over again. I want us to look at it again. The, Revelation fifteen five in the middle of the seven angels and seven plagues. In the, in the middle of the church singing the song of Moses, the sermon of God, and the song of the Lamb. In the middle of the song. R- remember, just sort of hearken back in your mind right now to Isaiah 43, 19. I'm going to make a path through what? Through the wilderness by the stream. So the Lord promising uh, that there's a path being made for the end time remnant church, uh, God's people, making that that this company of people in the end times are singing the song. They're singing the song of, the, of Moses, this uh, wilderness song of the path that God made through the middle of adversity and trial and brought us through. Now, let me say this because Our enemy is wanting to steal our covenantal loyalty if he can to trip trip God's people into breaking loyalty with the Lord. Because of pressure and because of circumstances and situations to get our loyalty, our gaze off of the Lord. But this company of people in Revelation 15, they're singing the song they're singing the song, man. You know the Lord. They're singing the song that our God is a God who delivers. Amen. They're singing the song of Moses and they're singing the song of the land of the, the, the soon and reigning, ruling, righteous King. Amen. Their hearts have become merry in the song because they believe. They believe because you know that when you are able to sing a song in the middle of great travesty and adversity and trial, when our hearts are lifting up in worship, in the middle of taking heat and things not going right and the merry Tom Bombadil Ditty comes into our mouth. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. But the little tuck, 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 this thing's going to be good. <laughs> The Lord's got us. And He's taking us through and they're singing that song. He's the great deliverer. He's the one that will bring us through the uh, trials of our faith and the difficulty of what we're going through. The Lord will make a way when there seems to be no way out of, out of our situation. He's got a path. And that we can trust Him, we, we can march right through the middle of the sea and He'll make a way. And this is a great end-time exodus. Uh, X2M, as you know here, the exit to millennium. The great end-time exodus is, will be uh, played out again in the song of the Moses and the song of the Lamb. A way right through uh, where hearts are completely covenantally loyal. Uh, to the Lord, being transformed into, and I'm going to show you this, what is the new thing? Being transformed here, uh, look at it in the midst of the worship this is after these things in the midst of the worship, I looked and the temple of the tent of testimony was thrown open in heaven the tent of testimony being and the, the translation is kind of hard to get this in the translation in the Greek it is kind of like this: the palace, and within the palace, within the palace of the Lord, inside the palace is a tent of covenant. It was thrown open. I'll be really frank. I, I believe, like I believe, a couple weeks ago, the Holy Spirit bore witness, even in this event that we had. I'm throwing open. Within the palace precinct, a tent of testimony, a tent of covenant. Proverbs chapter nine, verse one. I hewed out for him seven pillars, and on that those seven pillars I laid a palace. What is this tent of the testimony within the palace? The tent of covenant. When it's thrown open, this is what I I believe became clear to to me uh, uh, this morning, or just now, excuse me, this afternoon. Let's look at um, Revelation chapter uh, 13, verse, I believe it is, verse 6, I believe I have highlighted So the beast opened his mouth to blaspheme against God and to blaspheme both his name and his dwelling place. That is those who uh, dwell in the heavens. It's like, it, I tell you, the tree is like I've never seen these past before in my life. The Holy Spirit emphasizing these passages uh, today—that the beast system, this this antichrist, anti-covenant system—it's meant to array itself against the tent of testimony, the tent of testimony, the tent of covenant that's inside of you. This dwelling place, the ones who dwell in the heavens. The ones who have been caught up into the, the upper realms of heaven. The ones that have been caught up into the Lord. The one who has the palace that's been built by the Holy Spirit. I, I want to suggest to you that I believe by, by the Lord, word of the Lord this afternoon to me. That this palace, this Davidic tabernacle lays inside of your soul. Amen. The fallen booth of David is in, is in you and is being restored uh, in this in a third temple kind of way inside of us. Yeah. The Lord said this to uh, in front of His disciples and he, he said this to them and to the Pharisees. He says, your forefathers built this temple. Remember this? And it took them how many years? You remember? 46, is that right? Somewhere around there. 46 years to build this temple. What did He say to them? He said, tear it down and what? In three days I'll rebuild it. And, and he said that later on his disciples realized he was talking of himself after, after he had been crucified. We, the body of Christ, looking to find our existential solutions in outward things, when the Lord had already set the inward work right inside of all of us. Of Christ in you, the hope of the Lord. What is the end time Davidic booth of David that is has been raised up? It's the palace that he's been carving in you. Inside of us, installed in us, a tent of testimony. A tent of the ark of the covenant of the Lord. A tent of the covenant that He has been moving to restore. And He's been in part, and the Holy Spirit has been leading us to reconstruct the infrastructure. The infrastructure inside of us. To restore, like the, uh, the pillars, the seven aspects of covenantal union and loyalty to the Lord. To build on top of that, like it says in Proverbs 9, 1 and 2, to build on top of that a palace. He showed me this years ago. I think I've done some podcasts on this. Of a palace that he would construct, that he could have a place to dwell inside of men. He wasn't going to have some kind of like cheapo little thing. He wanted to put it all back right inside of us. The thing that has been lost, the Lord has been moving to restore it. What is the beast opposed to? What is the antichrist system opposed to? Christ in you. <laughs> the fullness of the reality of the Godhead bodily. Living his life. Running your life. With your full submission. With your will completely given over to him. With him not imposing his will against us. and Not in imposition. And not in manipulation. But a, a bride of people. Were completely chased and made ready for the coming of the Lord.
1: Both to blaspheme his
0: name, the system to blaspheme the name of the Lord and his dwelling place, and that is what? Those who dwell in the heavens. Um, Let's go on a little journey further on into Revelation chapter 21, verse uh, 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, the residents, or, um, Tabernacle or tent or, listen, a dwelling place. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, it takes my mind back immediately to Isaiah 43, 19. Do you not perceive it? The language like this, uh, behold, or look, take time to perceive Um look exclamation mark look because we've got our eyes on so many other things and our attention somewhere else and I'm not putting this on any of us I'm not saying that but I know my own propensity I'll say that my propensity to get my eyes on two other things but he's saying look exclamation Isaiah 43 19 hey do you not perceive what I'm doing in this end time behold I'm doing a new thing What new thing? I'm doing a new thing. I'm moving for something new. Listen to what he says. The residence of God is among human beings. The residence of God is anthropon. I believe... um is among men. The residence of God is in men. The residence of God, God has made His residence inside of humanity. God is tabernacling in men. Listen, this isn't Passover. Thank God for Passover. This isn't Pentecost. Thank God for uh, Pentecost and the movement of the gifts of the Spirit and the move of anointing. Thank the Lord for this. This is tabernacles. This that's upon us of the Lord in the end time is God's own very divine nature coming into man and manifesting himself through man. This is God's Holy Spirit moving to so transfigure, restore uh, fallen humanity like now, like never before. This is the new thing. This will lead to an exit to millennium. I will live among them, and they—they're my people. <laughs> I will be," he said. "That you will be God Himself.
1: Thank you,
0: God Himself will be with them. If I could read
1: Kelly's verse that she gave earlier, okay.
0: since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but in imperishable seed. Amen. That is through the living and abiding Word of God. Amen. Thank you. Though the uh, that which is incorruptible, this incorruptible priesthood called the Melchizedek Order is incorruptible life, um, this indestructible life,
1: yeah. this
0: seed that has been sown into us, the very seed of Abraham, the very seed of uh, the Lord, uh installed in us uh, again, Christ in us, the hope of glory. What is the new thing? the dwelling place of God has come, but the dwelling place of God, the very residence of God, the very palace of God, that when He made a human soul, He made Himself a place where He could dwell. The new thing. It's not in the outward. You know, I was sharing with Josh yesterday how difficult the why question was for so long to deal with the existential question of, why do I even exist? You can find a basis of your own existence. The Lord had moved through Moses to ask a question like, who are who? And Moses said, who am I? And then the Lord had been moving in this end time generation, why am I? We spent 70 weeks at why am I? (laughs) The Young Men's Institute downtown Nashville. Why am I? To enter into a place beyond the veil where the only existence, the only desire, the only longing, and the reconstitution of the soul would be that the Lord Himself would carve out for Himself a place within us that He could dwell. That He could take up residence and run uh, this frame that we have, this body, this anthropon. This anthropos that we have, how then do we live? We live in light of this covenantal loyalty. Listen, when this when this covenant opens up, when when the Lord says the palace that's in you is ready for me to release of the covenant, He throws this safe. Open inside of you and transmitting covenantal fidelity, transmitting the life of God's own life that is faithful witness, as it says in Revelation one about Jesus, the faithful uh, martyrion, the faithful martyr, the one who the one who goes to all the way to death for love, the one who would die for love, the one who would give up everything for covenant. Everything for loyalty. Everything. There's not hedging or trying to work an angle or anything. The one, who, the one this is the very nature of God. Uh, the one who goes to, to the nth degree for love. This beautiful Lord that we have is a beautiful spirit that He's placed inside of us. There would be no more compromise and no more hedging, but just a complete commitment and fidelity to Him. And that nothing would take away our uh, human fidelity uh, to the Lord, and that many of you, uh, God's people, you've been challenged in these areas, challenged to move away from the covenant, challenged to see if in the middle of will you work in England? will you cut a corner, or will you be steadfast in the Lord? Right? Have you not been challenged? Yeah. Yes, you have. But what, so that the Lord by light would open us up and say, "I want to reveal this covenant." Why? Because when He does, the shaking begins. The shaking, you know, in the Great Awakening with Jonathan Edwards, his his own uncle ran out of the ran out of that great moves of the Spirit and took his own life, as he said he just refused to repent. His heart, it becomes so hard that when in the midst of the move of God's Spirit, which is moving there to, to actually transact his business and love him and, and change the man, he just hardened himself. And it says that that will happen in the same times that people will cry, that rocks to fall on their heads. And that they will cry, they would rather hold on to their own thing than come into a place of godly repentance and sorrow and mourn over sin when the Lord begins to expose. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the exposure is on us because there's a people and the transmissions coming out of the palace, the palace in your soul, the one he's constructed and is starting to reverberate out. And it's saying everything's got to be made right because the Lord is moving to make all things new. I love this and I believe and I hope this is an encouragement so you. you wipe every tear from your eyes and death will not exist anymore. There is a generation that will not taste the death. They're, they're, they will not see death. I pray that we are that generation. I believe that the Lord has put a mandate on this house so He said, I'm going to move to restore all things. Acts 3.21 And it says and Jesus is retained in the heavens under a retainer until the restoration of all things. I will remove, I will remove everything. I will take away anything. I will bring the restoration of all things. That passage that I believe Peter spoke. I'm moving for this in this end time. So the Lord's been in a purity, continuity with us, bringing us um, into greater depths of holiness and righteousness. It is by grace that you're saved. It's through faith. It's not of yourself. You hear that? It's not of yourself. It's a gift. It's a gift of God so that man couldn't boast in it. It's by God's mercy. It's by God's great mercy. It is by His mercy that we've been saved. It's by His mercy that we're under the sound of the language of what He is saying to us out of this passages right now. It's by God's own great mercy towards us. And demonstrating His love towards us, even while we were sinners, He died for us. It's by His great mercy that we have have anything. And I say this only because be careful. Be careful not to make judgments on other men when the exposure is upon us. Uh, and I want to give some words of caution on that, out of 1 Corinthians chapter four, because as you watch, as you watch this unfold, and the exposure comes to, uh, the exposure begins to come as the Lord begins to move. Uh, the Holy Spirit spoke this, this to me this week, and I want to give this as encouragement to you, and to be careful in the way that you look at a fellow believer. If you watch a moral failure be exposed or something happened in your midst, be careful how you look at that and how you respond to this. I say this as a warning uh, for your own sakes because we know what Scripture says, uh, judge not lest ye be what? Yes. And that we would be so careful and remember that And remember that you've received mercy. Okay? But listen to this. Uh, uh, from the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke this so tenderly in me this week. Verse First uh, Corinthians four, verse. I believe it starts here with verse five. So then, so then, do not judge anything before the time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light that which is hidden, the thing, hidden things of darkness, and reveal the motives of the heart. What is it saying here? Two things. The Lord knows the motive. I would suggest to us that many times when we look at situations, even though I know like, I don't know if it's jurisprudence or in course of law, we seek to find the motive. We want to know what the motivation was. But I want to encourage you here to what it says here in the text is to wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light the hidden things. It's a darkness, and he will reveal the motive of the heart. Um, wait till he comes. Now, you know, someone say, "Well, does that? What does that mean? Does that mean, in, you know, the second coming? Does that mean that uh, his presence comes?" Yes, ultimately, yes, the Lord comes. Uh, I believe it could be the Lord brings and settles a matter, and that there's a uh, consensus that the Lord has come. But let's ultimately uh, see this that. We want the, the Lord to conduct His own understanding on it and, and look at it. There is a JSOC coming. The judgment seat of Christ. And the Lord knows the motive of the human heart. And He knows the way the steering of the human heart better than any man could ever know. He knows. So we wait on the Lord for the hidden things of darkness to reveal the motives of the heart so that the Lord can bring recognition The recognition can come from him. Paul says, I've applied these things to myself and Apollos because of you, brothers and sisters, so that through us, you may learn. Do not go beyond what is written. So that none of you will be puffed up in favor of one against the other. Why is he saying that? Why do you think he's saying that? I've applied this to my, Paul's a chief, he's a senior apostle. Apollos is gifted by the Lord. I've applied the same kind of principle to my own life. Why? Because, and I believe this is clear, that when we look at a situation, we seek to know the motive of another person. Or we seek to uncover something that is in darkness. We ourselves can become arrogant concerning that other person. And that becomes an enemy-based trap for our life. We must be careful. The Holy Spirit, I mean, He warned me about this. Be careful. Don't say things like, how could you? You know, you're a dirty, rotten rascal. Don't do that. Don't do it. Because the Lord is bringing, He is moving to expose. You're going to see... You're going to see things that are going to shock you. It's going to be hurtful. Some things, people that you place confidence in may let you down. Jeff said this this week, and I thought it was really good about you know Shem and Japheth backing up to their daddy, not to dishonor him. I remember when I was in seminary. We were listening talking about uh, Frederick Nietzsche. And I remember one of the guys said he can burn in hell. I, I hope he did. And I turned around and I said, You should never have said that. You know, whether Nietzsche went to the lake of fire or not, you should not rejoice in a man spending his whole eternity you know, going into some kind of situation like that. Don't have an attitude like that. And I'll tell you one of the easiest ways not to do that is to be a friend. It's not to see yourself inferior or superior to another human being. It's to have a friendship of humanity and a love towards humanity, no matter what their status or lack of status or whatever it is. I love that about Pop Winters. that he helped bring my dad in off the street. He called everybody his neighbor. I said, that guy who lives next to you. He's like, no, son. It was his neighbor. He treated every man like and woman like his neighbor. Treat others not out of a place of inferiority or superiority, but treat them as a friend. Don't let this arrogance come over your heart. An arrogance of either seeing yourself lower or higher than another human being. They're both false humility and pride. Do not treat one another in that way. It brings a detrimental thing because if you hold someone in high esteem above you, like in a place of superiority, when they let you down, you can turn on them in judgment, and then you can be judged by the very same thing you judge. Be careful of this. Always Spirit's like, you know, tell your people. And then I'm going to take you to this also, Daniel chapter 11. As um, this was the word of the Lord. Here, uh, to help in this area, as we are beginning to watch the art, uh, the, uh, the the tent of the testimony, the dwelling place of God, open up in front of us or through us. Um, he says, "Um, here, uh, Daniel chapter eleven, verse thirty-five is my main verse, but I want to uh, back up just a little bit. Speaking of the uh, the covenant and how our the Antichrist will come against the covenant. Verse 30, he'll turn his back and direct his uh, indignation against what? The Holy Covenant. What is the indignation of the Antichrist system going to be against? What is it? The Holy Covenant, this tent of testimony. This is what he's after. He does, It's after a, a people that are completely fidelis to the Lord. A fidelity to the Lord, no love towards the Lord. He'll direct his Uh, indignation against that covenant. He will return and honor those who forsake the Holy Covenant. His forces will rise up and profane what? The fortified sanctuary. Stopping the daily sacrifice. Now, third temple in Jerusalem reconstructed possibly here. Third temple in us being reconstructed for sure. Okay? And he'll set up the abomination that cause desolation. Whether you're preterist, your are your you post-meal or pre-meal, there's truth in all four eschatological positions. Let me tell, tell you. I believe that with all my heart. But there's, there's truth in them and there's also a lack of truth in all of them. He will use smooth words. He will defile those who have rejected the covenant. But the people who are loyal to their God will act... Valiantly. What is valor? But did you know what the better part of valor is? Discretion. Thank you, discretion. Valor is valor is courage, taking courage but not having to be seen. For taking courage. It's anonymity in the face of courage. It's courage with anonymity. That's what it says that the people of God will act valiantly in it. They will act val- uh, valiantly. There will be a people of valor who are loyal to the God. They don't have to be seen, but they will move in courage in the, the human heart. I, I want to say that because you know a lot of people are not platformed. Are not many of us are not seen. The Lord is moving for anonymity in the midst of courage. He's moving with that kind of heart where you're making decisions that nobody else sees in a private. Recesses of your own life and places in your own life where you're making these decisions that are covenantally fidelous in the place when no one's looking, the Lord sees. This is the kind of vow that I believe He's celebrating. The Lord is acknowledging and is watching in your lives. It says, um, He says, These who are wise among the people will teach the masses, however, they will fall by the sword and by the flame, and they will be imprisoned and plundered for some time. Some of the wives that are teaching on a, on a major scale is saying that some of those who are teaching on that kind of scale are going to fall in the end times. Some will fall by the sword and some by the flame. And when they stumble, they'll be granted some help. But there will be people who will unite with them deceitfully. And this is the verse that the Lord had shared with me some time ago, about five years ago, concerning some end-time leadership and the failure of some end-time leadership. And He says this to me. I want you to look at this, son, because you're going to see this. Daniel 11.35, even some of the wise will stumble in the end times. And it will result, listen, in their refinement. It will result in their purification. And it's a cleansing that must take place until the time that is appointed for the end. I'm just saying this. That's why be careful how you judge a matter and the way you look at it, Corinthians 4, right? The Lord has purposed in some of these situations to expose things. Why? So that when they come up against the JSOC, the joint seat of Christ, judgment seat of Christ, their purification will take place now. Now, I want to say this, and Tom is really good on this. We want the fear of the Lord, and we want the, we want the dealings of God now. Because we can't know the motive of our own heart right now and know what we would do, put in certain situations, how we would act, uh, put in other situations where other people have fail. If we were put under that kind of pressure, long-term situation, we may, all of us, may would crack. We can't know how we would be. The Holy Spirit, the Lord does. And the Lord knows the testing and the refining purposes that He is working out in His people. He knows that. He knows how things have to be set up to deal with certain aspects of sin. Sometimes sometimes he has to take someone, bring them in in a major platform. Bring them under that and and use them in the Lord. And and they're they're completely his. And the only way he's ever going to get the purification out of them is that they had to fail in front of everybody. And it was the only way that he could get them into the love uh, to transform their own nature. It was the only way to bring them really ultimately to himself. You see what I mean about the wisdom of God? There's no way we can know. There's no way that we can understand the ways of God like that. That the Lord would even move out of the love that he has. That he would move like that, even allowing things that he doesn't even permit. To bring us all, bring us all to the holiness, to bring us all to the end of ourselves, to bring us fully into the full capacity of what he has. Now I believe the greatest guy that ever went through that without sin was the Lord Himself. The judged on a tree, mock criminal, looks like. He's a nobody. Ousted by everybody. Almost betrayed by completely anybody. And he looks like a fraud to the highest level in the midst of everything. And we know He's without sin. But He took sin for us. Demonstrated in the, in the face of all of that. And I'm not saying that about any other human being because it isn't the case. There's only one man a man, Jesus Christ, without sin, and we know that. And if we don't, it's in the Word. And yet, you know, uh, that guy looks like a loser, par excellence. And that's the one who's seated at the right hand of God, the Father, right now, and ever living to intercede for us. And so, this is why. These micro-level judgments and concepts and stuff, they while there may be some element of truth in them, they can also freeze you into an understanding that's so lower places that they don't exhibit the kind of wisdom that comes from God our Father. Because the Lord knows every one of us. He knows like a, David, like a man like David, for instance, that will break every single commandment in his first year in office as king. And he knows what he was bringing him to. And the Lord doesn't agree with sin. But the Lord was bringing that man to something. And sometimes, and this is unfortunate, but sometimes the Lord has to ordain certain circumstances in a certain way without tempting man or without sinning himself. He can't sin and he can't cause man to sin. Organizing things in such a way to bring what? To bring people to himself. I believe his ultimate purpose is like that. He's a, he's a wonderful father and he loves us. Yeah. So we must be careful. And so if the wise that we have upheld, if they do stumble, remember Daniel chapter 11, verse 35. The Lord is seeking for greater refinement, purification, and cleansing, and pray for them. Because the Lord is I'm, the Lord is bringing the exposure now like and it's going to increase in this end time like never before. The, the reason why the Antichrist system is being ordained even of the Lord that he's bringing, is to bring mankind that is his, his own sons and daughters to himself. Yes. Listen, the our enemy's on a chain. Our enemy is not in charge of anything that the word has not permitted. The Lord's in charge and sovereignly in charge of everything. And who can understand his ways? And who can who can fathom what he has come up with in his end time purpose and plan? Amen to that. All right. I'm going to transition into the seminar now. <laughs> okay, here I am, another person. <laughs> this is the other me. I <laughs> have multiple personalities. Okay, I'm just kidding. Anyways. <laughs> uh, Monday morning, I, w- I was woke up by the Holy Spirit like, I don't know, 5, 530. He says... I want you to um, uh, give your people a seminar and a practicum, and uh, and I said, what is that? You know, uh, okay. I want you to do a seminar and a practicum related to 318, and I said, okay. And, and so he's giving me some notes, and I'm, and this is a beautiful thing here, and so I, I'm excited about this, and and so, you know, why don't we do this just for a minute? Everybody, stand up, shake it up. Shake it out. Shake it out. Shake it out. Maybe give a hug. You don't have to shake it out. Get a little... uh, Take a deep breath. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, oh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, what we're going to do, I'm going to give you three more minutes. If you didn't to the restroom, you don't want to give you three minutes. We're going to start back at 310. Alright, we're going to begin back. If you guys want to get... I, I would recommend that you take notes. If, if you don't, I, I will put the notes in Team Reach so that you can uh, reflect back on them. All right, let's, let's begin. We're going to just, I'm going to highlight just a little bit out of the 318, just give a little bit of a context to 318. Um, if you haven't had a chance, you can go back and watch some of our videos where this kind of breaks out in our events. Um, and it will be helpful. But I, I, I want to just give the, give the passage where 318 came from and what it's about a little bit, and then we'll, we'll begin to move forward. Genesis, um, Genesis chapter number 14. And you can read, if, if you take this in your notes to read, read Genesis 14, 11 through uh, 24. Context is, Abram's uh, nephew Lot has been taken off. There's been these four kings who were victorious over the Sodom system, and they came in and take all the possessions out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and left with all the possessions. And so, and Abraham's nephew Lot gets taken off in the middle of that scenario. And if you know the story of Genesis thirteen, Lot has got his eyes on the wrong thing. He's again, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. He's he's looking east. And the Lord's wanting—he's looking east towards Babylon, and the Lord is calling Abram and calling, I would say, a people in the middle of this to look up into the heavens again. Not east, because—and I—I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I just need to say it again. East is always the place of exile. When when Adam and Eve were exiled out of the garden, they were exiled what direction? East. And when Cain and Abel, when the murder happens with Cain, with Abel, even a little bit further east, Cain will go from his his daddy's place. He will go east. And then later on in Genesis 11, you will find Babel and that story and and the beginning of Babylon and it's even further east. And then mankind is scattered all over the earth. East... Meaning here, not eastern in a sense of Oriental East, but scattered from the very what dwelling place of the Lord, mankind losing our place in relation with the Lord, you know, walking in the cool of the day with the Lord, like Adam and Eve were um, experiencing this journey of restoration that is coming out in the prophetic part of our worship this morning in our corporate event is the Lord restoring us headed west, headed back out of Babylon, out of Babel, out of the scattering, through Pentecost, meaning a multi people being brought back together by the path of Passover, by the path of cross. What? Back to a tabernacling reality of the dwelling place of the Lord among men, God Himself in men, um, and uh, back to... Back to um, this proverbial garden, Eden land, as ashkel was originally called, but a place of Eden, a sanctuary of the Lord. And so mankind begins, head out east. So Lot, in this storyline, has also got his eyes looking east towards Sodom. He's got his eyes in the wrong direction. And in Genesis 13, Abram's going to look up to the heavens. The Lord's wanting to take us and him, Abram, and the Abrahamic family that we are, and take us omnidirectional. Born out, born out of the heavens in every direction, every cardinal direction, in relationship with the Father. And so uh, that's why that you may feel at times a little bit, um, I don't know what's going on. You know, which way am I going? Is this way or that way or my back that way? And you know it's like oh, and, and and the Lord says this. Remember, He says to Nicodemus in John chapter three, He says, "You don't know the way the Spirit's going. It's like He's like the wind, right?" And so you've got to become hyper, super fluid, <laughs> Um, to move with the Spirit of the Lord and re- and relating to Him, and so. Uh, and this, this kind of status is always fixated and loses the dynamic of the human interface of the divine with us. When it heads east, it becomes more static, becomes more concrete, uh, more um, uh, structurally uh, constrained. And the Lord never made our human dynamic like that. He, he made us to be free and um and experience love and move and, and not be just fixated on perceptions and concepts that just kind of pull us down. Lot's in that thing. He's on his way down that path. And he gets caught in the middle of this war. And then, at the middle of the war, Abram begins to mobilize. Him. I mean, hey, look, you've taken my nephew, uh, you took my family member, and. Um, I'm going to deal with this. And so he mobilizes uh, 318 trained men that he has in his own house that, he, that had been born in his own household to pursue the invaders. I like this as far as Dan. Dan meaning the, the place of judgment. We're going to go and we're going to invade as far as Dan. Dan means God is judge. And... And so these these are raised up, and so he divides their forces. And you got to understand, this is no small thing. Four kings. I mean, this is like whole kingdoms. I love Abraham. He's he's got some. I don't know what the proper word is right now. Moxie, guts, grit. (laughs) He's a dude. (laughs) I don't know how else to talk about it. He's a man's man, you know. He might be a ladies' man. Well, he's one ladies' bed. Yeah, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, he's a cool guy. I mean, anybody that's like, you know, hey, you know, you took my nephew there. I don't like that. And four kings and their whole kingdom is like. I got three hundred eighteen guys I trained up. We're just gonna take all four of your kingdoms down. Oh. Yeah, it's like the Alamo or something. <laughs> With success. <laughs> I mean it's it, you know, it's this nature and this is it what is it? Hoops paw? How do you say that? Yeah. <laughs> I feel that. I think the word likes that. This is that valour, you know. This is that. It's, 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 that, it's that... yeah. The bulldog tenacity, as dad says. Hillbilly tenacity. <laughs> This is the mountain men of the 80th Regiment, like Frank Sinatra. is that courage, that valiant, it's that fighter, it's that uh, doing what's right in the face of danger. Um, let's do this thing, you know. Yeah, you probably are going to die. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> This will be great. At least I could die on the battlefield. This is this 318. This is this company. is like we're going to do the same. So, you know, this is just amazing story. They go and they like take them all out and get all the possessions back and they win the, the war over four kingdoms and their kings, you know. Yeah. Okay, I'm just really excited about that. And then Abram... Abram um, You know, you can read the rest of the story. This is when he's going to meet Melchizedek. You know, Melchizedek's going to be like, finally, I've met me a man, you know, that's a real guy. And he he says, Abram, blessed are you of El El Yon. You've learned how to possess heaven inside of your earthly body. Sound kind of familiar to the dwelling place of God among men? You've learned, you've, learned how, uh, you've learned how to take the divine nature of the Lord and, and uh, internalize a relationship with Him that's give you this uh, strength and courage to trust Him. And you've mobilized an army of such inferior odds that are stacked against you and won. And you know what? Here's you some bread and wine <laughs> Because this is going to celebrate the nature of the king, the soon-coming King, our Lord. This is His nature. I've, I've run into the Lord. Um, I've seen Him. He came and appeared to me in one of our bits one time. I turned around. I was facing the wall. And there He comes up on a big steed, white horse. Jumps down off the horse and looks at me. And I was like, no wonder everybody's going to follow You. You're the coolest guy ever. Uh, I was like, Jesus, you're so awesome! You know, and uh, he's got his hair. You know, he's got really cool hair. Really cool face. You know, real nice, like, masculine features, but soft lines. And, like, so straight. I mean, he looks so amazing. And he comes up and he picks some water up like this and he brings it to me. And he disappears and he's off into the battle, you know. And uh, I remember the next day, I said, Holy Spirit... What was that about? And he says, Psalms 110.7 And he shall drink by the brook in the way, and therefore he shall lift up his head. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to seat his government. And he tells me, I'm after this thing to see the government and the earth inside my people. Yeah. Anyways, what's that got to do with anything? No. <laughs> everything. <laughs> It has everything to do with everything. Anyways, that's the one that Abram's like saying. I think Abram... Because you know, Jesus is going to say before Abraham was what? I am. I I think those guys had run into each other. He knew him. He he knew him. So, So then the mobilization of this 318 and the Word's like, I'm moving to mobilize a 318 company myself. And I said, oh man, Awesome. All right, let's do this. And I want this imprint on my people's heart in this end time, uh, in this mobilization. And so, what I want to do is again, today's called the SAF 318 Seminar and Practicum. SAF stands for Soldier Athlete Farmer. Comes out of the Pastoral Epistle when Paul is speaking to Timothy. He says, teaches him, I want you to be a good soldier. An athlete and a farmer. So, if you take your like notes, you can put three, one, eight underneath soldier, three, athlete, one, farmer, eight. And this is uh, like an understanding that the Holy Spirit brought to me to deliver to you, and for an end time move, maybe like a Joel two, like real army. You know, this raised up by the Lord. And so uh, then uh, the word began to move me in, in this direction, and we're going to move this way into Jeremiah chapter nine, uh, verse uh, twenty-three and twenty-four. Now, in, in the making of a three eighteen, and, a, and, and, a, and this, is, this is Jeremiah nine twenty-three and twenty-four. And a, how does this work? And, a, and a, who are these kind of people? And what are they? How are they exemplified? And so the Lord said this. The Word says this. Intelligent people should not boast that they are smart. And I want you to kind of append this to a prophetic or even in soldiering should not, not boast in our intellect. And I didn't say this If you're taking notes and you put 318 and then you put SAF, then you can also put prophet, priest, judge, king. Okay, because these are the offices of Christ. This is the way that you were actually made by the Lord. We were made this way by Him to have uh, the prophetic and the priest, judge, work in us and, and the kingship or let's say queenship for you ladies. Prophet, priest, judge, king or soldier, athlete, farmer or a 318. Robin, are you okay? Yeah. Okay, good. Robin means famous. I know because my wife's middle name is Robin. Or nobility. Anyways, I want to make sure that this makes sense. Uh, uh Uh-oh, I jumped off my notes. Okay, Jeremiah. So intelligent, or let's say prophetic, people should not boast that they are Prophetic, or smart, or intelligent, or in their perceptibility. Do not make a boast in your your intellect or your prophetic capacity. Next, number two, the word says strong people, athletes should not boast in their strength. And in the farmer function, rich people. Those who have wealth and provision should not boast that they are rich. So first of all, when we're we're dealing with a three one eight or an SAF, the first thing is is that we would we would receive this in humility. That this because there is a sense of arrogance that can occur in the prophetic or in intellect, a, a sense of arrogance that can occur in the in strength or in your physical uh, might, uh, your athletic prowess, uh, that happens a lot, as you know. (laughs) Yesterday I got the opportunity to be rostered onto the rugby team for the Asheville uh, rugby team. I'm brand new to rugby, I don't know that much about it, and i played I practiced with him seven times, and I got on the roster. Yeah. I got on the bitch of the roster. <laughs> I moved from water boy to bitched, the last guy they would pick. <laughs> and uh, and Gus and I went down to Cape Fear yesterday uh, together. It's a five-hour drive. I get out there, and they got stretched out and everything. And then we go, and we're throwing the ball. And I go to move the ball. This is just in the warm-up. And I um, I tear my left hamstring. And I'm like, I can push through it. I'm a man. I have strength. I can do this thing. And I go to, like, run, and uh, nope. nope. <laughs> it's not doing it. I don't even get to play the game. Uh, but at least... I. Yeah, I, I got in the warm-up. <laughs> so, you know, there's progress. Uh, last night, and I, I'm saying this, because I'm sitting on the edge of the field, I'm pretty forewarned, I'm really aggravated, to be honest. I can't stand to watch other men on the field of battle, battle it out, and I can't go out there and put something in and show them that I got a little something left, even though I'm like the second oldest on the team and you shouldn't be doing this, Carol. <laughs> but there's still something there, I'm telling you, you know. And I was a little forlorn for a while and just the excellent doctor, talked me down and helped me through it and made me feel a little bit better about myself on the way home. I finally recovered from my torn hamstring. It doesn't feel good. But it's feeling better this morning. There's little guys in there fixing everything. And I get home last night. This is hilarious. I look down at the Bible. I mean open up the Bible app and it says he is not enamored with the strength of the horse, nor is he impressed by the warrior's strong legs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, it, it's, been, it's been a journey. Karen's like,
0: never tell anybody that you got hurt in the warm-up. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> One day I'll mount the something for you. you know. and she wants me. She's trying to talk me out of it. Uh, but it does say in 147.11, the very next verse... The Lord takes delight. Listen in His faithful followers, yeah. and in those who wait for His hesed, the ones who wait for His loyal love. And it was so comforting last night because I was like, "Well, I am. I am at least that. Yeah. I may have anonymity on the field, and nobody even knows that I can bring something to the table." And I'm weak in my leg, and I went pathetic over here, and. Um, but at least I'm loyal to the Lord. And I can say that. Um, I can say that I'm a faithful follower of His and I love Him. But right now, I'm hurt. <laughs> and then, then, so, so if we're not supposed to do these certain things, what are we supposed to do? And I love this. Jeremiah says, then they should boast that they know and understand that I, the Lord, act out of, and here's your three things, I act out of this. Faithfulness, fairness, and justice. And so the Lord begins to set... What is a 318? A 318 is, as a soldier, as a prophetic person, is faithful. Again, and we've, we've had this whole event just kind of lead us this way this whole time today is the faithfulness of the Lord. Um, faithful followers. Uh, loyal people. Fidelis. Number two, he says, I'm fair. Priest, judge, when I adjudicate a situation, when I look at it, I don't look on what my eyes see or what my ears hear, but I have the spirit of counsel and might, and I have that spirit of understanding, and I have the spirit of wisdom in me so that I can have perspicacity. I can look at a situation properly. And I, when I, I look at it, I find fairness. I find what is righteous and, and before it. And I'm thinking right now the Holy Spirit is reminding me of Psalms 82. He, he says, you guys have not judged the poor rightly or the widows correctly and looking at the fatherless. If you've not looked at it right, He says you'll die like men. Later on, if we're headed towards immortality, if, if we're headed towards an Im, immortal life, and we are, if we're exiting to millennium, the Lord is looking for this fairness, this equitableness inside of us when we're looking at adjudicating situation in our life. Now, he's looking for a certain characteristic like this, I believe, mercy triumphing over judgment. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's looking to see... Um, our nature, like Daniel eleven thirty five bears out. Is are we looking at situations and taking time, not to be quick to make rash decisions, quick judgments, or we moving to make um, movements of love out of our heart that is looking to the person and not the position. We care about the person over the position to see. Uh, through meekness, like Second Timothy two says, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, that God peradventure would bring them to repentance. Are we, or are we presenting in a way like that as a PJ, as a priest judge? Are, do we have a, a, are we asking for wisdom like Solomon did, and, and seeing ourselves as a little child? It's not able to necessarily know what to do, but we're waiting on that prophetic material to come in from the Holy Spirit so we can properly discern in the midst of pressure and waiting on the Lord and saying, I'll wait on I'll wait on you for what? The it to warm my heart before I make a decision. Because the loyal the loyal follower of the Lord, the one who's coming out of faithfulness, must wait on the Lord for love. To overtake us to make real clear decisions. You know what I mean? When we make decisions out of a legal fierceness, a harshness, um, a cutting edge thing that comes out of us, the Lord does not, uh, does not to want that out of us. There's this, um, there's this love that is, and I'm going to get into this today, that is born in truth, that is, that is, hesed is leading the human heart. And I don't mean some kind of southern thing. Bless their heart. That's not what I'm talking about. That's cursing. Bless their heart. That's a curse. That's If you, somebody says that to you in the South you just got cussed out, just tell them. You know. And if you said that, you're like, oh no, I'll say that to you. Know. Anyways, maybe watch your motors on that or I'll pray for you. That's... even you know.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I'll pray for you. I've heard that one before,
0: and it's like sort of patronizing yeah, I'll pray for you. you need it. Thanks. I don't feel any better at all. Because He wants fairness, and He wants justice, so that out of that fairness flows justice that uh, brings, just brings real connection, I believe. Uh, a true justice connects and brings restoration. This is what I want you to learn of me, says the Lord. The Lord's saying, learn these character qualities and don't set such an emphasis on your intellect, your strength, and your will. Learn the character of my very nature. And so then the Holy Spirit took me to Ephesians chapter 4, and that's where we're going to go next. And so that, you know, if you're getting some penitent material, the first five books of the Bible. You're getting some prophetic material, Jeremiah, and now you're going to get some epistle material. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, and I gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, um, for, for for these points. I want you to be equipped for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the of the uh, Son of God. Fivefold ministry is a gift to the body of Christ, not not as someone to set. If you become like me, you'll be someone. This is a real danger that the, the fivefold ministry has become um, idolized itself and made an idolatry out of fivefold ministry. Well, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet, I'm a teacher, whatever. It's all to lead us to what? To the one. Anything that is saying, hey, look at me because I'm your ideal person, and it's being projected out. I'm going to tell you, be cautious of that material that's coming. Even though there's some great anointings and ministry gifts that are in operation, be careful when you hear a lot of self-referential language. It's like, if you're like me, you'll be someone if you finally get da tut like me. Danger, danger, warning, warning, warning. Why? Because the purpose of fivefold ministry is to bring us to maturity, to what? To the measure of whose stature? Christ. The full stature of the full Christology of the Lord installed inside of you. And anything that is not preaching that and teaching that, get your antenna up and watch out for that because that message is dangerous. It is the message of the Lord is to lead you to the Lord. Um, and so uh, and so I say that as like a little caveat in there. So, why? So you'll no longer be in this James 1 says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The Lord doesn't want double-mindedness in the church, in his family. He wants like a, you know, and we're, you'll see this, uh, he doesn't want us carried off with every wind of teaching and trickery uh, and people carrying out crafts and deceitful schemes. Some of the greatest breakdowns in the church today have been uh, scheming and doing things and, I mean, get people into stuff they shouldn't be into and next thing you know, people's lives are falling apart and it's a mess. But here we go. But practicing the truth and love. Practicing the, but practicing the truth and love, highlighted. Is, we're going to look at this today. We, if if let's say if if then, we will grow up uh, into Christ. You will mature into into Christ, into the uh, Christ nature fully uh, considering uh, your anthropos, your humanity. How, how do we partake of the divine nature? Here it is, by practicing the truth in love. And it says, we will grow up into Christ who is the head. From Him, the whole body grows, fitted together through every supporting ligament. As each one does his part, the body will grow in love. Now, so the Holy Spirit like takes me into this. Of practicing the truth in love, and this this becomes like like super important. This participle has been like heavily from the verb is heavily debated, and in classical times, it meant to speak the truth or to be true or to prove true. Um, and there, there's various cases of this in the Septuagint in the Greek, where the word is used. Septuagint being the Old Testament written in Greek, if you you don't know that. Anytime you see LXX, it's a Septuagint, which is the Old Testament written in Greek. And so it's translated differently from different uh, Hebrew words. It's an ethical term used of proving or being proved to be true. Listen, it is not the idea of speaking the truth. In other words, in other words, um, this concept, this in Ephesians, is being truthful. It's 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 not just the language of words. And another way to say this, it's it's to be proven to be true. When he's saying when when he's saying this idea, of practicing the truth and love, and the, the Holy, you, you know, you've he heard this says, you know. Walk, walk, walk the walk, not the what talk. And we know that people can be charlatans and say all kinds of things or whatever. And then their life doesn't measure up to it. How do you and I grow in Christ who is the head? Here it is, the apostles saying it. Paul is saying, it. This is how that a believer's conduct should be transparent. That the revealing their state of affairs as opposed to listen, hiding, or suppressing the truth through cunning and deceit. You want to grow and mature into the head, which is Christ, and is practicing the truth in love. The um, Holy Spirit said something to me I'm not just looking for um, prophetic flourish out of my people and that you can say some nice things. I want things born. In deed and in truth, I want your actions to speak louder than your words. your words. I want I want this because this is the way you're going to mature in Christ the Head. You, you're not going to mature in Christ ahead because you you have great rhetorical flourish, or you have uh, great uh, physical prowess, or that you have uh, wealth of some type, or, or not any, or whatever. This is proven in your life every day by this again, going back to Jeremiah 9, by faithfulness, fairness, and justice. The Lord is setting it here in Ephesians uh, really clear. I want love and truth to be proven through the way that you are living your life every day. I'm looking for this in uh, your human relationships, the way you're relating to other people. Holy Spirit's watching, the Father's watching. That He's longing to give us more of the treasury of Christ. He's wanting to install that treasury into us. Giving us and outfitting us with His very own likeness and nature. And that we're being put into circumstances, situations in our life right now. That are testing and trying our faith to see. In the midst of pressure and circumstances you're facing. Will you prove the truth? By practicing the truth in love in the face of danger, in the face of conflicts, in the face of hardship and difficulty that the Lord Himself has set up in your life to give you Himself. He'll set up a circumstance. And you'll go through a trial and many of you are in the middle of your own situation. You're going through stuff. The Lord is... You're His sons and daughters and so He set these situations up. Why? Because he's wanting to prove his truth and love through you so that he can give you more of himself. I, I believe that's how he installs his divine nature in us again because of the trust in him in the middle of that trust receiving God's grace into yourself effectively um, affectionately receiving uh, from him in the middle of your adversity. The the, the Lord's not anti-adverse. The Lord's not like just trying to give His people comfort and pleasure. He's setting up situations to challenge you. He is. He's putting and allowing obstacles in the way of your life so for you to become an overcomer. He tells Israel, go take the promised land. I gave you manna in the wilderness, now go take it. It's not like easy peasyism with the Lord. (laughs) he's, he's um, He's ordained things in your life on purpose. Why? To prove this truth, that you practice truth and love. You want to accelerate your process. You want to grow up into the head who is Christ. You want to receive the divine nature. Become not just a talker, but a walker. Look for the opportunities. The, the, the cross is not something most people like want to tune into. that's not my channel you know I don't really like that take up your cross daily stuff and I don't mean taking up the cross that you think of I mean the one he's ordained for you the one that the one that is just like I want to pull away from that but you know that you're being drawn into it you're drawn into a conflict. You're drawn in the middle of something. How's it going to turn out? I don't know. You know, um, I had my daughter this week say to me, she said, if I just knew how it was going to turn out, I wouldn't know what to do. Right. I was like, welcome to Christianity. You know, I mean, you're know, you not going to know. The Holy Spirit is setting up things and He's left this uh, sort of unknowing thing going on. You don't know how it's going to turn out, but I can give you this from the Lord that if you'll practice the truth in love, And you will not take a cunning or deceitful angle that you will get right through the middle of. Oh yeah, it might be ugly. There might be some yelling. It might not be the prettiest thing you've ever seen. But the Lord told me this. I'm not looking for prettiness or perfection.
1: (laughs) That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking
0: for proving the truth in love. And so this is the nature of of the... uh, of the 318. Eight, he said this to me, cutting corners costs commensurately. Uh, when you get under the uh, pressure which the Lord has ordained in your life, I want you to think of your life like this the Father is superintending your life and He's in charge of it. And He's sovereign over it. Your life is not your own, Romans 12. It's not. So let's go ahead and try to get that out of our mind. I can do whatever I want my wife's wrong. Let's go ahead and get that out of our mind. But let's think of it like this. It's not my own because I've been bought with a price, so I'm his. Receive that. So everything I'm going through, he's ordained. That means he's like materially involved in my daily affairs right now. And I want to go ahead and acknowledge that He is materially involved in a deep and profound way into my life. That means everything you're going through, He's in the middle of it. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Yeah. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and He'll direct your you're, you, you, um Nothing is by surprise of the Lord. Every little thing. Even hamstrings that are hurting. <laughs> That even needs even these. As what Gus told me yesterday, he said, "You know, the Lord probably allowed that from getting hurt on the field." I don't, I don't know. Who knows? I don't judge anything before the time.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cutting corners in the middle of pressure will cost you commensurately. Why? What happens? You are extending the journey because the Father has a plan for you. Um, years ago. Uh, I was counseling someone, and the word said, give them the C plan. I was like, there's a C plan? And he, and he told me the A plan, the B plan, and the C plan. He said, there's like many plans. And I said, no way. And I said, what's the difference? Because I was sitting in front of him, and I'm having to give him the C plan. And he said, well, the C plan takes longer. And I was like, oh, I can't tell them the A-Plan. He said, A-Plan will kill them.
1: <laughs>
0: I <was> like, <laughs> Whoa. I said, but you get that good point of war, you know. blessing the death of the saints in your sight. He <laughs> like, don't well, give them the A-Plan. They can't take the A-Plan. Their soul can't take the A-Plan. You'll have to give them a C-Plan. I was like, the C-Plan is like, it's going to take five more years in sanctification.
1: Uh. He said,
0: I said, we can do this in like two months. And it can be done, resolved. He says, yeah, but they can't handle Now, once I want you to know that about the Holy Spirit. That kind of, like, opened my eyes. And I was like, I want the A plan. You know. Yeah. Let me just say. <laughs> I was begging him to take the A plan off. And it probably was like the F plan.
1: <laughs>
0: he's like, I'll tell him it's A because he's so ambitious and give me the F plan. <laughs> Yeah, I say in relation to A, B, and C, it would be like the distance or length of time it'll take the work of the Lord in your life will be longer. And you know, you want to grow up in the head which is Christ. No, if I give them that plan, they'll cut the corner for sure, and then I'll have to rebuild another plan on them. Do you understand what I mean? Because that kind of pressure, they just can't handle it without breaking their fidelity faithfulness, their fairness, and their justice will break down. And the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to fail. He's not like, let's just put it to them and watch them fail. He's not like that. He loves you.
1: (laughs) Oh, man.
0: But you can't ask Him. Lord, I want all that you have. I don't want to miss a thing in this life. I want everything that you have delivered to the human beings. Yes. I, I want everything that you've got. Whatever you're bringing, let's bring it. You know, I told him that. Yeah, I said, I don't want to be stuck by a fork to die. I'd rather just do it right here, you know. If you're not going to die, just, just cut the juggler, man. Don't stick me with a fork until I die. You know, you know what I mean, die to the flesh, you know. Die to yourself. It's like, let's get it over a bit quicker, you know. Just take the whole head off and put your head on, you know. <laughs> Let's not play around with this thing, right? That the word has. Well, what is it? It's what's cost us. What takes time is the apostle saying when we practice the truth in love, when truth born out of love is the way that we're navigating our life, we're taking time to be considered about how the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And when we're put under pressure, which we will be, and things are arrayed against us, and we don't deviate from that faithful, fair, and just nature, we hold the line, and we're holding fast to our confession of faith. The word of the Lord has come up, so we know it's the word of the Lord, and I'm not moving off of what the Lord says. I'm not changing my position for no one, no circumstance, the whole thing to fall apart. It can look exactly opposite of everything that Jesus does. Exactly opposite to everything the Lord's ever said to you. No, the Lord said, "Mm -hmm." You're arrogant. Well, maybe so, but I'm not changing my position. Well, you're weak in your knees. Well, maybe so, but I'm not changing my position. All this stuff's coming against the human. So trying to get you to compromise, change your way. The Holy Spirit's like a tender, small voice. Will you? Will you? Stand with me in the midst of this thing that you're going through, and let me bring you to the other side. Because I want to bring you to something that's greater than you've ever walked through. Before. Yes, Lord. I want to tell you this about our Father. He is not there to like give you the beat down and make your life. He is longing. He's cheering you on, saying, "I just, I believe that Jesus is interceding, like it says in Hebrews, at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us." That, oh man, I pray, Father, that when they're going through this circumstance, which is really difficult, that they're not going to give in to that one little side road or that side road. Um, they're going to stay with me. Let's all stand together. I to pray over you, that the seed of the Word of God has been planted in your soul. Who you are, and they would know that you yourself are present with them in the midst of their need. Holy Spirit, I pray that they would be a people that would make just decisions. And when they make a decision, Lord, it would be righteous. And it would come and flow from You. And the Lord, they would not make decisions on what their eyes see or what their ears hear. But the sevenfold Spirit of God would fall all over us, all over this house. And that we would have the fear of the Lord. And that we would have the wisdom of, the, of You, Lord. That we would have the knowledge of who You are. I pray for the counsel and might. Lord, and encourage, Lord, that we need to do and follow you. Lord, we receive from you, from your hands, from your great grace, Holy Spirit, we receive from you even now. You're the great giver of all gifts and the great giver of all life. And you are the Holy One. We, God, give our confidence over to you. Now I'm telling you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, there there are solution sets that are set from the Father that are delivering into your understanding even now. Right now, into your mind, into your hearts on ways to act and to behave uh, in, 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 in the seasons of your life. And to know what, what it is that the Holy Spirit would have you to conduct your affairs in it. I pray that He would help you to discern what it is is His will. The will. The perfect will that He has for your for your life. And, and um, As we're in this attitude of prayer, you can come forward and, or have communion together. Again, we'll take this together as a family and just move out and begin a community. Just stay in the place of receiving from the Lord right now uh, as you begin to move forward. Receive it from Him. Wisdom, truth, and love in the presence of the Lord. Let's come forward and we take communion